This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, Zach Fleener, basketball operations associate for the NBA G League's Lakeland Magic, sits down with the guys to talk about his time at Lipscomb as well as his time working in the NBA. Guess who is back as the guys try to guess from the first team All-Americans from the past 20 years. Q&A covers this year's NCAA bracket and the problems with the seeding as well as facing a Power 5 team in a mid-major in the tournament. This Week in Sports covers everything coming back. Baseball, Tom Brady, and March Madness. The guys conclude with their upset picks in the tourney, as well as their Final Four and National Championship picks. the Dylan Dylan Show. Excited to have you back along for a special It's Back edition of the show with baseball, Tom Brady, March Madness, all making their return and primed up to have us ready to talk about an amazing show, amazing group of topics and a fun group of topics. Dylan Jesperson here, back here with you in a new location coming from you from the great state of South Dakota in my new place. Uh, Dylan, back into K- Kentucky for today's show. Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, the last time we sat here and talked on the show, not for the March Madness special, I was kind of like in the middle, like I had COVID, everything was weird. Murray State just won the OVC, but I was like, ah, Tennessee probably won't get it done in the SEC. The SEC so good. And then Tennessee just went on a magical run where they were just like, we're not going to lose. And it was really, really cool to watch. Uh, texting my dad during that game, which my dad's followed uh, UT since he was born like 40 miles away from campus. He was like, this is something else. They haven't won this tournament since I was seven years old. And it was kind of like that, like, realization. I was like, wow, that's a long time ago. My dad's old. And I like really maybe like meant something to me. I was like, I'm going to cherish this. And I guess that's when I was like, oh, wow, they haven't won it while I've been alive. This is the first time I've seen this. It was, it was really, really special. I remember talking with a lot of my family on my mom's side the day before uh, watching the Kentucky Tennessee game, because they're all Kentucky fans as we're here in Kentucky. And I was like, Tennessee doesn't win. I was like, Tennessee had the huge lead, and I was like, they're going to blow it. This is what Tennessee does. I was like, they don't win, and then they did. And I was like, hey, maybe they've got a shot. That feeling of winning a title, like that's just something I've never felt in my life for the Tennessee volunteer basketball team winning the SEC. Uh, and I feel like it's such a special run, and we're going to get into seeding and stuff later because I have a lot to say about it, with specifically with what happened to Tennessee. But it's just a lot of fun stuff going on. I'm excited to get into it and excited for a really, really fun show. Uh, How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy to be here. Excited to get into an awesome show. A lot of stuff to get into. Yeah, with the, uh, I know that feeling of, you know, the first time you make that run in your conference tournament, especially with the way Michigan was when I was growing up. It didn't really ever really seem feasible for Michigan to make a run in the big 10 tournament. So the first time they did under John B line, it was, yeah, it's, it's one of those weird things where you're like, okay, now my program is here. We've actually done something and you can't take that away from us regardless of what happens in the tournament. So uh, happy to be here. Happy to get into it. Uh, reminder to follow the tunnel vision sports network, wherever you get your podcast. And remember, if you like what you hear, a nice rating and review always helps us reach more people today. We get started with a return to interviews, Zach Fleener, 
basketball operations associate for the NBA G leagues. Lakeland magic was kind enough to sit down with us. Let's jump right into it. All right, Zach, thanks for joining us again. Uh, with the return of interviews comes the return of guess, guess who? who everyone's favorite guessing game with the return of March madness as well. We thought it was the best time to get the pool of players uh, from college basketball. We thought all Americans in basketball from the past 20 years, and we limited it to first team all Americans. So with some repeats, it should be around, I don't know, 80 to 90 players. So you would just say, or no, I'm thinking no 40 or 50 players. I uh, not 10 yep. players each quick math. Uh, yeah. yeah. Quick math. Uh, we got a tails tails That's never fails. Finally. Uh, I will let you go first. I would like to see your strategy before I let uh, I go. It's been my timing myself. Yes. Okay, I am timing myself. Yeah. Let me get my stopwatch out. All right, here we go. I'm gonna start my clock now. Was this in the 2010s? No. So before 2010, is it a mid-major player? No. Okay, good. It's not Steph Curry. Is it James Harden? No. Was it in 2009? No. Okay. Uh, is it Jameer? No, Jameer Nelson would be mid-major. I was I was hung on it's gonna be Jameer Nelson. Um, it's not Trey Burke. Blake Griffin. That's 2009 as well. No, I don't have my list up. I like playing this without the list. And now I've got my. <laughs> Might be tougher without the list. Tyler Hansbro. No. No. Is it an ACC player? No. SEC. No. Big Ten. No. Ooh, Pac-12. Pac-12. Yes. Pac-12. Interesting. UCLA. Yes. Ooh. Ooh, a UCL. Aaron Aflalo. Did he go? It to was Aaron Aflalo. Here we go. It was 46 Aaron seconds. I can't believe that you got that with other list of. I thought Aaron Aflalo was going to be a bit tougher. He was. That a was tough. He was a piston for a little bit. That's really the only reason I picked him. I was like, oh, my yeah. brain was scrambling. I would not see without the list. I wouldn't have expected Aaron Aflalo to be a first team All American. I knew he was good at UCLA, but I didn't realize he was a first team All American until I went back over the list. I looked at the list earlier. And I saw Aaron Aflalo, and I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then I kind of just went on with my day. So, yeah, Aaron Aflalo, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's almost you can't pick those people that, like, jumps off the page like that because, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let me get my stopwatch out. I am not confident. Last time I was nowhere close, and I, like, ran Good old Zion. (laughs) Good old Zion. (laughs) If you get Zion, I might just guess him immediately just to make sure. It wouldn't Uh, be a bad idea. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, three, two, one. Is it Zion Williamson? No. Okay, is it in the 2010s? Uh, no. Okay, prior 2010. Uh, are they active in the NBA right now? No. Okay. Uh, ACC? No. Big 12? No. Big 10? No. Pac-12? No. SEC? No. Mid-major? I guess, yeah. Okay. Uh, They're not Power 5. Not power five. Got it. Uh, Steph Curry. No. Um, uh, Chris Douglas Roberts. No. Okay. CDR. Uh, I still got a little bit of time. Let me, let me, let me look. Uh, Randy Foy. No. Orlando Magic. Uh, Andrew Bogut. No. Uh, oh God. Brian Gomes. No. Jameer Nelson. No. Oh, God. Oh, I'm out of time. One last guess. One last guess. Adam Morrison. One shining moment. Nope. Oh, my God. Who was Guard it? Guard from Villanova, Scotty Reynolds. Scotty Reynolds. 
Oh, okay. So I, so I almost picked Scotty Reynolds too. And I don't know if it's for the same reason. So I'm on basketball reference. Scotty okay. Reynolds is the only player of all of these players going first team, second team, third team. He's okay. There's also another like couple second teamers that don't have, it, but he's the only one without a basketball reference page. So he's like I, not highlighted. Yeah. I absolutely loved watching Scotty Reynolds growing up. And he's on that last NCAA or EA Sports NCAA basketball game with like John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins. And he's a stud on that game. He's a lefty and it's just so, so good. He still plays pro ball in Greece. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Always like Scotty Reynolds. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the Big East isn't a power five school. I, I, I guess other Villanova guards. So I can't be mad that you picked a Villanova. Yeah. I pay, I guess Randy Foy. That's the same. It was as- an out one there. I'll be honest, but I like Scotty Reynolds. Rough. That's two straight guess who's. All right. We're going to have to get another interview next week so I can get another guess who and pretty quickly here. Um, we'll get into the question and answer stuff. Uh, I will lead things off. Both of our questions will have to do with the tournament, but in my opinion, this was the worst NCAA bracket ever assembled in my lifetime since I've been watching. Uh, and I said this when I posed the question to Dylan this week, I feel like everyone has something to say that was wrong about the, the bracket this year. And that's not always the case. I feel like there's, bigger examples sometimes of like one-off examples, but this was the first time I feel like they botched mostly every seating. Uh, Dylan, I'll throw it to you. Is this the worst job the committee has done since you've watched March Madness? It's pretty bad. I, I don't know if I want to go and say this is the worst, but it's, it's pretty bad. Um, the thing that stood out to me at the beginning was sitting there on Sunday uh, afternoon, watching the SEC championship and watching Tennessee get out to a huge lead. I was like, if anyone is watching the game of college basketball, Tennessee has clearly improved their stock this weekend. They should hop either Auburn or Kentucky or Duke. One of those three teams that lost that I think that's how it should work with the momentum and all that. And clearly it just didn't matter. Tennessee beat Kentucky. They beat Mississippi state, which doesn't really matter. And they beat Texas A&M who was on fire had beat Arkansas and Auburn. And before that Florida, who was on the bubble, and then it just did not matter, which seemed insane to me. Uh, Tennessee stayed at a, a three seed when the two seeds are Kentucky, who they beat twice in the last month, uh, Arkansas, who they've beaten the last – or Arkansas is a four seed. Auburn, who's a two seed, who they beat in the last month. And then Duke's a two seed, who might be the coldest, like, top four seed in the country. I mean, Duke is, like, ice cold, which I know it's Coach K and Duke, and they've got Paulo Benchero. They could go on a run, but still, I, it just seems odd. Uh, that they they went in favor of blue bloods, and that's kind of a, a, a complaint that Tennessee fans had. And I just think it came down to the conference championship or the conference tournaments just didn't matter. And I I don't like that at all. And it just I, I think it it creates a bad precedent because like Texas A and M should be playing in this tournament, whether it was playing last night or tonight in the play in. Like they they should have somehow been in this, and I that grinds my gears. I don't get it. It, it, it sets up or it doesn't set up. It makes you think that name brand matters a lot more than it should. Whereas like a Kentucky and Duke, they, like they didn't look in their conference terms. Like Duke made it to the championship of the ACC. The ACC is weak. Virginia tech won the thing and they're an 11 seed. That's, I don't think that's ever happened for the ACC. Um, it's, it's just very, very odd. And then my other gripe away from that is, they decided to pair Murray state and San Francisco in the first round. And I just don't get it. And I'm going to get into this with my question, 
But um, I just hate that they paired two strong mid-major teams in the first round because if this was any other year and literally if San Francisco was playing anyone else, I'd be rooting for them. Like a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine texted me and said, hey, what do you think about San Francisco? I was like, that's a tough, gritty team. Like they can make some noise in March. And I'm like, I'm very curious to see what they do because like obviously being in the same conference as St. Mary's and Gonzaga, that hurts the record a little bit because those are two really, really good teams. But now you have them matched up with another really good mid-major team, and it creates – I don't know, it, it, it sucks. It just really, really sucks. Uh, and then my last point, uh, Michigan and A&M should have played in the play-in, but they screwed that up. That would have been a really good game, and it should have been there. But, yeah, I, I think there's a whole lot of gripes, and there's a lot more than what I said. It's, I don't know if I'm ready to call it the worst uh, seeding job ever, but I want to hear what you have to say, and then I might change my mind. Yeah, I think it is as a whole for me. Well, I feel like there have been bigger, like I said, one-off mistakes in the past, particularly right along the bubble. This year's bracket feels so wrong. It almost makes you wonder, like, how they do the bracketology stuff. Like you said, if they just seeded everyone before the conference tournaments, and I think Michigan, my team, is a prime example. We should have been in those playing games. We were on the bubble going into the tournament and then lost to a, a first four-in team in Indiana that made a good run, beat not only us, but a really good Illinois team that I thought was going to win the Big Ten. So, uh, uh, I mean, with our record, we're 17-14. We just lost Indiana. It makes no sense that Indiana then had to play Wyoming to get into the field last night versus, you know, us sitting in a, a comfy spot in an 11 seed playing, you know, uh, we'll get into it in the next one, but Colorado state as, as much as I, I respect Colorado state and where it's at, I would much rather play Colorado state than uh, some of the other teams that we could have played at the six seed spot. So, uh, and even farther down than that at the seven seed spot. So um, I, I'll just list a few of my gripes, but like you said, there's not going to be like, how does Texas A&M, get left out of the field is beyond me. Uh, I feel like everyone almost outside of the one and two lies or miss lines were misseated. And even those were wrong. Like we said, uh, Tennessee should have been a two and Kentucky should have been a three. Uh, that, it, that was pretty clear after the sec tournament. And I feel like the only way you have those flip-flopped is if you had those seated before the conference tournament was played, which I do think was, which is what happened. I don't know how Murray state wasn't higher, uh, I think six or even as high as a five seed could have been in order for you guys. Uh, and how is Iowa, the Big Ten champs, a five seed and Providence is a four seed? Like that doesn't make any sense. That is the like proof in the pudding where it's like they really didn't watch these last few games because Iowa may be the hottest team going into the tournament. I, I have, spoiler alert, have them in my final four, uh, but there's no way that Providence is a better team than Iowa right now. I don't care what you say. So uh, I don't know, maybe that, and maybe it's just because I'm in South Dakota. Now I think that four thirteen um, matchup between South Dakota state and Providence is just primed for an upset. And it almost feels like, and this is what, like what you said, they fixed a lot of these matchups to be bigger than they should be because they didn't see them based on what, the teams are they they fix some matchups they put michigan state playing davidson because foster lawyer transferred to davidson but they also have coach k versus tom izzo in the second round lined up ready to go i i, I hate that the most that is when it really like grinds my gears because march madness is the purest time in all of sports I, I would say you seed 68 teams and they all have equal chance to make a run at the national championship it doesn't matter who you are or how you got there as long as you win whatever it is, eight games in a row, seven games, or you know, whatever it is, 
you can win the national championship. And it really grinds my gears when they put like a Murray state versus San Francisco, they both should have their own Cinderella runs that we should be analyzing and seeing if they can make it through that. Not like, Oh, well, one of them will end here and the other one will probably start their Cinderella run because, you know, people are going to overlook them, but it, it, I don't like that. It feels like the college football playoff stuff, which really grinds my gears. And if we're getting closer to that with March madness, that's not good. That is not a good step to take. So we've got to take, hopefully the committee will learn from this. There'll be enough people like us that are complaining that they can take a step back in the right direction next year. I have a few things to add. First, you have to win six games, unless you're a playing team, then you have to win seven and you win the national championship. Um, and I think with the Murray San Francisco thing, I think Murray was misseeded, like you said. I think Murray should have been a five seed probably. So I think when you're looking at the six seeds, uh, two of them I know, know off the top of my brain are Texas and Alabama. And I think Texas is probably better than Murray. Alabama's not. Alabama is not – Alabama's more talented probably. They have a lot of NBA guys probably. They haven't played like it. And Texas is good defensively. And I think Texas and Murray would be one heck of a game. But it's like when you look at net rating and all the kin pond stuff and all this advanced statistics that they say matter, Murray's better than all these teams. It just didn't matter. They're like, well, that's Murray State. They won the OVC. Who have they beat? You can only beat the teams on your uh, schedule. And the only teams that beat them were an Auburn team that was the best team in the country when we played and East Tennessee State on the first day of an early season tournament where Murray shot like one of 13 from three. It's hard to win games when you do that in college basketball. A lot of teams are so reliant on three, like Murray State is. Uh, and it's just frustrating that they obviously they can't – when people look at Murray State, they're like, oh, they played close games against Moorhead State. They lost to East Tennessee State. It's like, man, what are we talking about here? Like, this is a long season. Like, Tennessee lost to Villanova in November by 18. Tennessee is a completely different team. As someone that's watched Tennessee this season, in November, I was like, yeah, they're not very good. I had no faith in them. I saw them lose to Villanova by a million, lost to Texas Tech in Brooklyn, and I was like, that's the ugliest basketball team I've ever seen. I don't want to watch them. Kennedy Chandler's overrated. I want nothing to do with it. Rick Barnes does what Rick Barnes does. He made adjustments. He changed the starting lineup around, started using Jonas Adu and Brandon Huntley Hatfield, and that team's just different now. They're, they're just a lot better, and Kennedy Chandler has turned into the point guard they should have been, and it, it's just I, I think I say that to say that uh, the committee not looking at what's happening now and how teams have changed and uh, using pre-existing judgments just isn't right. You got to see them on what's going on right now. The tournament's being played now in March, not what happened in February or January or December or November. So I, it's frustrating. I, I, I think you have a really solid point on saying it is the worst seating we've seen in our lives. I can't remember one fully worse. I, I think like there have been teams that have been left out where it's like that, that should, there should, there's no way they should have been left out, but you have examples of that. I mean, there's no way Texas A&M should have been left out of this field. And then there's everything on top of that. So I think it's at least the, in my memory, maybe it's the recency bias, but I think it's the worst of all time. I have two fun little things. Uh, Tennessee finished number five in the AP poll and there are three seed. Or, yeah. Three seed. <laughs> The last team to finish number five in the AP poll and be a three seed, close to home for you, or used to be close to home, Michigan State with Cassius Winston. They went to the final four because uh, that team was really good. I think a lot like this Tennessee team. And then you mentioned teams that were left out 2014-15. Murray State led by Campaign and Jarvis Williams went 30-1. and one. Very similar to this year's Murray State team that went 30-2. and two. 
They lost in a buzzer beater in the OVC tournament to Belmont, did not make the tournament. Went on to the NIT, went to the Elite Eight of the NIT and lost on a half-court buzzer beater. It's an <laughs> Old Dominion at wherever Old Dominion is in Virginia. So, yeah, I, this is all like a very close to home for me. That's painful. That's painful. But, uh, yeah, I, I think hopefully we can at least get some good games out of it because, uh, yeah, like I said, I think it's the worst seeding we've seen. But they did set up the matchups, so hopefully the storylines can play out. Uh, I honestly think oh, I kind of hope that some of them blow up in their face and they do, they get like Davidson versus Duke and, and foster lawyers going up against coach K and, and they're on the brink of getting eliminated before the sweet 16. That that's what I'm rooting for, but uh, all right, we'll move on to your question. So sticking with March madness as a fan, would you rather be matched up with a power five team that we're more familiar with for the most part? Like if you watch college basketball, you get pretty familiar with all these power five teams in the tournament, or would you rather be going up against a uh, darling mid-major that could become a Cinderella really quick? So I think both can be daunting. And the way I looked at it is it really depends on the program more than the conference that they come from. For example, and even though I'm going to contradict this later, I think teams like UConn, North Carolina, Blue Bloods like that that struggle in the regular season are teams that I want to avoid in March completely because all it takes is the right formula, the right spark to get those teams going. And all of a sudden, they're a number one type team. They're a one seed type team all because uh, they recruit the same way every year. Sometimes, the you know, it just doesn't gel. But I remember when Kentucky beat Michigan when we had Nick Stauskas, they were very similar. They had the Harrison twins and they didn't play very well. I think they were like a four seed coming into the, the tournament. And all of a sudden they just snapped and they just were going crazy all of a sudden. And that's, those are the types of teams you want to avoid. If you get a UConn and North Carolina, that's underseeded. I think those are the most scary, but in the same way, I think it's even more daunting to face a Loyola Chicago or even a Murray state than it is like a USC where a team where I haven't seen USC be very successful in the tournament in my lifetime. And I know they have had success in the past, but they haven't been successful lately where Loyola Chicago has like, they have that weird special stuff that, you know, the, uh, the Cardinals have, you know, usually at the end of the year, but uh, they have that weird thing that goes with them. So I I think that's, you know, that can be even more daunting than, you know, playing like an Oklahoma state or a a team like that. That's not historically great at basketball because these programs, the the ones that have had Cinderella runs in the past uh, they're they're They have, some historic, you know, connection to basketball to an extent. And uh, I think that becomes even bigger and harder to do. And I, I think, you know, to, to put a final statement, I, I do think it's more daunting to play those mid-major teams just because more of those teams have that connection to historically good basketball. They've run through their conference and there's a reason why usually that they're making those runs and, Usually if you're playing one of those teams in the second or third round, it's they're already on one of those magical runs where Texas tech USC, some, someone like that, they can, I can see them getting through the first round and then, you know, tripping on themselves in the second or third round. So uh, I think just because, you know, more of the time when you play one of those teams down the road, they're already on those runs. I think it is more daunting, but uh, like I said, there are certain exceptions to that rule. And, and having said that as a Michigan fan, it was way better 
And I know I was way happier facing Loyola Chicago in the final four in 2018 than I was, you know, playing like Kentucky or Tennessee or even Virginia out of that side of the bracket that year. So uh, I don't know. I could go either way, I think, but it, it really just depends on, you know, that what program we're facing and what they've done recently. So speaking as a person that is follows two programs pretty closely, I follow Murray State basketball more closely than Tennessee, but I still I support both. Speaking for Murray State, in the last few tournaments, I mean, it's kind of weird because we got matched up with Marquette when Ja was there. And Marquette's in the Big East, so that's kind of – it's not a mid-major, but it's not a power five. It's a it's a big conference. I mean, it's the Big East. Like, that's, that's major basketball. So, obviously, going into that, and they had Marcus Howard, it's obviously nerve-wracking. But it's like – it's still like, oh, like, it's doable. And then you win, and you get matched up with Florida State, who had – Cabanjale and Terrence Mann, it's like, this is impossible. We can't beat them. We don't have the size. We just, it's just not going to happen. And the year before that, we got matched up against West Virginia, who had uh, Javon Carter. And I don't think they had Sheboy. I don't know how, how old Sheboy is, but I wouldn't, I don't know if he was there or not. Sheboy might have been there coming off the bench. They had a really big center coming off the bench. And if they did, oh my goodness. Sheboy against Murray State again. I'm I'm not saying he was, but he was at West Virginia. I don't know if he played against Murray or not. I just remember they were just so big inside, and Murray just couldn't compete with it. And that's what it comes down to a lot with these mid-major teams is they don't have the size, and it's just it it hurts them. And when you get matched up with the bigger teams, it just it just ends up killing you. Like Murray State uh, in 2012, with when Isaiah Cain was on fire, was second team All American. I couldn't remember if Isaiah was second team or first team. I wanted to pick him as my pick, but. He was second team. Uh, we beat Colorado State in the first round, a mid-major team. We got matched up with them, beat them. We were a sixth seed. And then uh, we had to play Marquette with Jay Crowder. And Jay Crowder isn't the biggest guy in the NBA. But when he was in college, he, he was the, like the biggest guy on the court because he was a grown man. And it just it ended up being such a mismatch that it killed Murray. They dominated the boards. And it's just that kind of stuff. As a mid-major, when you get matched up against some of these teams, the matchups, they just kill you. I don't think it's always like – especially for a team like Murray or Loyola Chicago, I don't think they're going to go in and be like, oh, we're playing Kentucky or we're playing West Virginia. We're playing North Carolina, Baylor, whatever. I don't think they're going to be like, oh, we're scared. They're, these are teams that win. They don't care who they're playing. It's They're, they're going to go out there and play basketball. And um, I think it comes down to there's just mismatches. A lot of the times these mid-major teams, like you look at Loyola Chicago with all they did the past few years, their best player was Cameron Crutwig. Most of the time, he's not an NBA guy. He just isn't. He, that's not what he was. He's just a great college basketball player. Whereas you get some of these teams that are power conference teams that are just, they've got NBA players all over the place. Then you got freak athletes and that just, it makes a huge difference and it sucks, but that's how it is. Uh, so as, um, a guy that's fallen Murray State, being matched up with San Francisco terrifies me because I don't know much about them. I, I know they, they play a really solid brand of basketball, but I don't know much more than that. Uh, if Murray was the seventh seed matched up against USC, I'd also be scared because I know they have Mobley's brother. And I'm like, I don't want anything to do with anybody that's like Evan Mobley. Um, so I, I just think it's uh, both both sides provide different levels of uh, intensity and can provide different types of fear as you're going into a game. You're like, oh, man, I don't know about this. This is, this is something else. But uh, at the same time, when you're, I, I've seen this a lot with Murray anyways, it feels like Murray's got to the point where they're in everybody's head. And so now people are picking against them, which is weird. They're like they're overlooking San Francisco and that's just weird. I, I don't know. I don't know how to think about it. that's 
with these mid-major teams, I think a lot of people don't understand mid-major teams aren't going to overlook anyone. When Murray State has to go to Carbon or excuse me, Cape Girardeau to play Southeast Missouri State a week before their conference tournament, they're not going to overlook San Francisco in the NCAA tournament. That's just not going to happen. I, I think mid-major teams are far more likely not to overlook someone, whereas you get someone like Tennessee a couple of years ago that lost to Loyola Chicago. They are more likely to overlook a, te- a team like that when they've got guys like Jordan Bone and Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield and just NBA players left and right. Uh, so I think I think it goes both ways, and it's separate answers for, like, if you're in Michigan, you want to play a Power 5 team, I think. I, that's how I think anyways because, like, that's what you're used to playing, and you're like – I feel like that they play similar styles when it comes down to it. Whereas mid majors, they play similar styles to one another. It's it's almost like different brands of basketball. When you mix it all together, things just get crazy, which is how we get the March Madness, and it's so much fun. Um, and Murray's in a unique situation where they're going to play San Francisco, a really good mid major team, and if they win, they're probably going to get Kentucky, which is the Power Five team in college basketball. So uh, it's really, really interesting. It's going to be really fun to see how it plans out. But yeah, I I asked this question and I don't have an answer. I think there's just a million answers to it. Yeah, I, I like the point you made about the size. I do think uh, like Hunter Dickinson makes Michigan mid-major proof. Like there's guys that make your team mid-major proof because they're just too big. They're too strong. They they can't be matched up with a. a at the same level of the mid-major. And I was just looking, Isaiah Keenan should have been a, a first-team American. That, you're, yeah, you're that, right. <laughs> no guards were first-team All-Americans. It was Anthony Davis, Draymond Green, Doug McDermott, Thomas Robinson, and Jared Sullinger. There's not one, like the smallest is a small forward if you call Draymond Green a small forward. It was ridiculous. Isaiah was so good. I was – at that gym every night I could be to watch Isaiah Cannon. He was amazing. He should have been first-team All-American. That's rough. I don't understand how you don't put a guard on first-team. And really, I mean, unless I don't remember Marcus Denman. Was Marcus Denman a guard? There really wasn't. From where Where did he go to school? He went to Missouri. Missouri. I don't remember him. He was a guard. So there was two was guards on the second team. But that was it. There was another three big men on the next team. So that's ridiculous. Um, all right. We'll move on to a pack this week in sports because we got a lot to get into. Moments after we stopped recording last week, news broke that baseball was back. And I I like to think that Manfred and the owners wanted to make sure that our show was done before they announced the news. But here we are. Baseball is back. Dylan, what is your reaction to all the news and the details surrounding baseball's return? And where do you think we go from here? I'm just glad we got it over with. I We sat here for the past couple of months and we're just like, this sucks. It's like, it, it just felt like it was doomsday most of the time, where it was like, there's not going to get a deal done. It's not going to happen. We're going to miss half the season, and that's not going to happen. We're, we're going to get baseball played. Uh, and, like, almost as soon as uh, the tweets got sent off, we are like, hey, baseball's coming back. It's happening. It seemed like moves started getting made, and teams were like, all right, we're doing this. We're, we're in. And uh, it's just exciting. Uh, baseball is obviously – they chose a really weird time – news cycle wise, because a lot of things are happening in the world of sports right now, but they said, Hey, we're going to try to get some shine over here on baseball. And they've done it. And the fact that they've done it with everything happening, which we're going to get into more of later is really, really spectacular. It's, it's going to be exciting to see what all happens from here, what other moves happen. Um, I, one of the things that stood out to me, Tatis got hurt and I've seen several things said about it 
And I'm just like, this is bizarre. It's everything happening right now with baseball is just bizarre. It's like, what is going on? What's going to happen with Freddie Freeman? Uh, The Blue Jays keep getting better. The Blue Jays might get Freddie Freeman, but they just traded for Matt Chapman, if I'm not mistaken. I I don't know. Dylan doesn't know either. Um, And it doesn't seem like Freddie's going back to the Braves, but he might. There's just so much stuff happening, and it's fun. And it's it. I think the MLB and NFL. Yep, Dylan Shaking said Matt Chapman did go to the Blue Jays. I thought he did. I, I like he Matt. He's a third. He is a third baseman, so they still could put Freddie at first. That's true. That's Matt Chapman is a guy like they. I feel like the Athletics put him everywhere because didn't he play in the outfield a little bit? He played a little first. Maybe he so, aged a little bit. Aged a little bit too. Yeah, it, I guess they'd have to figure out because Vladdy was playing third last year, right? Yeah. So they they move Vladdy around. They put him at first. They put him at third. Mm-hmm. Vladdy could be age. Yeah, or honestly, Freddie could be age. I mean, that's not a bad problem to have when you you're trying to no. figure out how to juggle Matt Chapman, Freddie Freeman, and, <laughs> Vlad and Vladdy Guerrero. Guerrero. <laughs> that's not a bad problem at all. Um. The Blue Jays, I've said it for a while now. They're becoming so exciting, and I just love them. I'm really, really excited to watch them play baseball. Uh, the Cardinals, the the most boring team in baseball, but there's been some fun rumors around them. Uh, apparently, they've been in heavy talks with Trevor Story, which I am all about. Get Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado back together, and let's just win a million baseball games in St. Louis this year. I would be all for it. Uh, the Reds have completely destroyed their team. They, they're going all in on the tank, which – I'm a okay with. They were they were really fun to watch last year, and I had to cover a lot of their games. And I went to a game of theirs in Cincinnati, but man, they just they weren't the best. They just had a good offense, not much else. Uh, so they sent out uh, Winker and Eugenio Suarez to Seattle. Uh, Mike Wistakis is trying to get freed right now. Sonny Gray got shipped out. Uh, Castellanos is on the verge of signing with Miami. Like, there's just so many things happening with that team. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff happening in the world of baseball. And it's just it's just so exciting. Uh, the Carlos Correa situation is still just a situation. Uh, there's just it's so much fun. I'm just having fun with it. it. It feels like I'm sitting here and this is like an MLB the show franchise mode. And we're in the offseason. It's just like this guy signed here. This guy signed here. I'm like, well, that's fun. Like, how did that happen? Uh, and it, it feels like teams are making strides to become more competitive, like Seattle, like uh, Toronto. And it's just fun. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And as I've said for the past year doing the show, baseball's fun to me again anyways, and I love it. So, yeah, that those are my thoughts so far. I love everything you said. I, I'm just happy to put this behind us. We seem destined to lose baseball for a lot of baseball this year uh, with how far apart the two sides were. So I'm happy we finally got something done. I'm happy we got something done in time to reschedule those games that were canceled. I'm happy we're not going to lose baseball other than those spring training games that we did lose. Uh, and really more importantly, I want to see if all of these proposed fixes to service time manipulation and the competitive balance tax works. Uh, I'm on the side of the players always, and I absolutely want to see the players, uh, the best players play. And especially with Spencer Torkelson looking ready to take over first base in Detroit. Uh, I I like want, I don't want to see organizations, you know, mess messing with their service time and calling guys up and and doing those shady things that makes it so uh, you can't see a guy sign their best deal. I think Matt Olson's a great example. I think he's a guy that hasn't signed his 
a, a deal until like he was 28 or 29 because of the way that the, the athletics used his service time. Uh, I want to see that change. So hopefully the proposed changes did that. Uh, and I also want to see uh, if that extra level of the competitive balance tax uh, works. If you don't know, the CBP is basically MLB's luxury tax and they've added another level to it. It's not a hard cap like other leagues have and uh, players like that because it maximizes what they can get paid. But however, because it's not a hard cap, teams like the Yankees, the Dodgers, and now rumored the Mets are all willing to go over it. And I, I was, I'm hoping this stricter rule in place helps, but it, it might just widen the gap between the haves and the half nots because it just puts another level of what are you willing to go past to make your team work. And if you're Steve Cohen in the Mets, you're willing to do that and you're willing to make it pay the money to make your team successful. So I'm hoping that, you know, we don't have to revisit this the next time the CBA comes around, but uh, I think the biggest news is just, we've got baseball back. We're going to have 162 games and, We've got everything back. We're, we're on the right track. So uh, it's a much better step than we were the last time we talked about this. I feel like the last time we talked about this, we were very, very pessimistic on where this was going. So uh, we're going to get a full season of baseball, and I'm excited for that. Uh, on to the other big he's back news. We talked about the potential re- return of Tom Brady on the NFL roundtable, and he's back. It didn't take long. He's announced he's coming back to Tampa to go for another Super Bowl. Dylan, I'll just throw it to you. What are your thoughts on Tom Brady returning? I love it. Um, the night before Tom Brady announced he was returning, which was like 20 minutes after we went live during the selection. So special. Uh, <laughs> The night before, it was a Saturday, last Saturday night, his last touchdown pass, the ball, sold at an auction for like half a million dollars. And I remember talking to one of my friends. I was like, man, could you imagine if Brady comes back? That ball is worthless. And now it is. I, I feel really bad for whoever bought it because that, that sucks. Uh, they, I feel like anyone with like that knows who Tom Brady is, like understands like how much of a competitor he is, and kind of expected at some point Tom Brady would be back. Like it was obviously it might not have happened, but everyone kind of expected like, yeah, Brady's probably going to end up back at some point. And it only took 40 days or 43 days or whatever it was. Um, I'm really excited about it. I I'm, I'm not ready to see an NFL without Tom Brady. And I, we didn't see, it didn't feel like a classic Brady performance for him to go out on with that loss to the Rams. It just, it doesn't seem like that's how Darth Vader's going to go out. I, I need to see, him strap the pads up one last time, tie the laces and go out there and just be Tom Brady. And I would really like to see that, uh, whether and I've seen rumors of what if it's not with the bucks, I don't think he was coming back unless it was for the bucks. I don't think the bucks would allow it. Uh, I think he's going to go down there and an NFC South that could get really interesting in the coming days. If Deshaun Watson is traded to one of those three teams, uh, that are not the Buccaneers as is rumored. Um, it could be a lot of fun. And it, I mean, it's Tom Brady. The Buccaneers automatically get back up to the NFC favorites with the Rams and Packers. So yeah, just a lot of fun. I'm really happy Tom's back. I would have never thought I would say I'm glad that Tom Brady's coming back, but I am. I'm excited to see what he does next year in year 23 or 24 or whatever it'll be. Yeah, really, really excited. What are your thoughts on old Tommy B? I just hope this is it. I look back to the Brett Favre saga back when, when he was in green Bay and and I watched that franchise toil with that for so long. And it it becomes really frustrating really quickly, especially 
when you're in the Green Bay situation, you have a backup ready to go. That's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, but if he was ready to unretire in two weeks, why did he retire in the first place? It, it, like we heard the rumors that he might come back immediately, and that's why we talked about it. It's like why I don't understand why athletes do that type of stuff. And I just I think there's a disconnect when there's a there becomes a very obvious disconnect when things like this happen because fans are like, well, I don't understand why this becomes such a drawn out process where it's like, Oh, you're actually going to retire, but you're going to say you're going to come back in two weeks when you clearly knew you were never going to retire. We all knew Tom was, he was too good. He was still doing too much. There was no way that a guy with that competitive fire, like you said, was going to go out losing to the Rams in a, in a, in the NFC division or whatever round that they lost to the Rams and whatever it was. But I, I don't know. I, I hate, I hated that saga and Brett Favre. So I hope this is it as a Michigan fan. I'll always hope for the best and hope that he does well. Uh, but with all the quarterbacks right now, let's just get back to football. I don't know if it's just the off season and everyone's just looking for fun stuff to talk. This isn't fun. I, I don't like talking about retirements and unretirements. Let's just talk about football. It, it does make Tampa a, a little bit more fun, and we'll see how it affects you know the NFC South in the coming days. But let's just let's just get back to it. it's March Madness time, and and finally. That moves me on to our final this week in sports topic. It's March Madness time. We're going to give you guys some of our upsets that we're looking for, some teams to watch for, but ultimately our final four picks and our national championship picks. So, Dylan, I'll throw it to you. What are you looking out for as the tournament starts? Would you like me to start with my upsets? Go for it. Whatever order you want to go in. Okay. My first upset would be Davidson over Michigan State. You talked a lot about that game earlier. I like Davidson. Davidson's one of these programs that's been the tournament before. Obviously, they made that run with uh, Steph Curry back in the day. But I think this Davidson team's really good. You look at it, uh, two of their starters from last year, Carter Collins, who's now a starter for Murray State, and Kellen Grady, who's a starter for Kentucky, are gone. And they come out, and they're just as good or if not better this year. So that speaks a lot to that program, what they built there. Uh, I, think, I think they have a lot of momentum. I think they're going to beat Michigan State. Not only do that, I think they're going to take down Duke in the second round. I think Duke is a team that's very primed for an upset. I understand it's Coach case last year. Duke could win it all. Do not get me wrong. But I, I think they're very primed for an upset. They've just been playing so bad. And I hate that for him. I hate that it's Coach K's last year. I think Paulo Benchero is awesome. But I think Davidson's got that fire. I think they could very well take down Duke and Michigan State. Um, another upset that I have, uh, let me find, I'm literally looking at my paper bracket. Um, I filled one out this year. I sat down with my grandmother the other night and we both filled out brackets. If you'd like to see my grandmother's bracket, you can go on tvsportsmag.com and see what she said. Uh, uh, I don't have many upsets in the first round. Many, most of my upsets come in the second round with kind of uh, crazy things happening. I guess I have Loyola Chicago over Ohio state. I don't think that's an upset though. I think those teams are pretty even. I think Ohio state's good. EJ Liddell's awesome. Right? I think it's Lola Chicago. They've got the sister gene magic. And I, I think that's going to go a long way. Uh, I think if someone just grabbed my bracket and they're like, what were you thinking? This is one of the games they would say. In the second round, I have eight seed Memphis taking down the number one overall seed Gonzaga. And I think if someone just grabbed my bracket, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Memphis has got a lot better. I think they're better than eight seed. I think that team's got a lot of talent. Obviously, Penny Hardaway has got so many good players there. Uh, they knocked down uh, Houston a couple weeks ago, obviously lost to them in the American Championship game. That's a team that's hungry, and they've been clowned on all year long. So I, I'm interested to see uh, how that works out uh, as they take on Boise State in the first round, and I have them winning that game, and then also beating Gonzaga. I just, I'm not crazy about Gonzaga, I'll be honest. I, I don't think uh, 
there's a huge separation between Gonzaga and everyone else. I, I think the one seeds are very vulnerable. I think the two seeds are vulnerable. I think everyone's vulnerable. So I think you can get really crazy, and uh, my bracket shows that. I also have Baylor losing in the second round to North Carolina. You've been crazy about North Carolina for a while now, and I'm hopping on the bandwagon. I think North Carolina, they, they won. Uh, it was six of their last seven. That one loss came to Virginia Tech, who was on fire in the ACC tournament. I think it's got a lot of fire under their butt. Armando ba- uh, Baycott is awesome, and Baylor's hurt. Baylor's got a lot of injuries. I think North Carolina could very well get that done and move on to the Sweet 16. And then, obviously, the upset of all upsets in my life, the biggest game in program history for Murray State in the second round in Indianapolis, Murray State versus Kentucky. I've got Murray State taking down Kentucky. I, I think Kentucky is a team that goes as far as Oscar Sheboy takes them. And I think Murray State attacks teams' best players and gets them in foul trouble. And they, they do it against big men because a lot of the teams in OVC, which is uncommon for mid-majors, uh, a lot of the best players in OVC are big men. K.J. Williams, player of the year, is a, a center. Uh, big, I, I don't, I can't pronounce his name from Belmont, 33, center. And then Janai Broom from uh, Moorhead, center. They're all big guys. Murray State attacked all, th- all both of those guys. Janai Broom, you, you saw it in the OVC championship. If you watch, Janai didn't get in foul trouble, went crazy. So it's kind of – that's where things go with Murray. If they can attack Oscar, get him in foul trouble, I think Murray State wins that game because UK struggles shooting. Murray State plays lockdown defense. I think that could mm, – I could feel it. I just It's going to be the biggest game in Murray State's history, and I would love, 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 love to see it. Um, those are basically my big upsets. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in my bracket. Uh, I guess – like I have Iowa taking down Kansas. I don't think that's an upset, though. Iowa's the Big Ten champions. They're just the five seed, and Kansas is a one seed. Um, but yeah, I guess that would be an upset. So I'll get into my final four out of the West region. I mentioned I have Memphis taking down Gonzaga. So obviously Gonzaga is not, not my team out of the West. I have the three seed, I believe. Yeah. The three seed Texas tech university getting to the final four out of that uh, region. And I don't think Texas tech is the best team in that region. I think just, they get a very favorable, favorable, uh, draw. They get Montana State in the first round, which I don't know anything about. I'll be honest. If Montana State beats them, fair enough. Uh, and then I have them playing Rutgers. I think they match up well against Rutgers. Then obviously I have Davidson beating Duke. I think they match up really well with Davidson, just being a really, really big athletic long team. It's just they're going to be a nightmare for a lot of teams. Uh, and then I have them uh, defeating UConn and the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four. Uh, out of the East, unfortunately, I do not have the Murray State Racers. Uh, I have Murray State getting to the Sweet 16 and then falling to Purdue. Uh, I have Purdue getting to the Elite Eight and taking down UCLA to get to the Final Four. So, so far, I got Tennessee Tech, not Tennessee Tech, Texas Tech and Purdue in the Final Four. Out of the South, everyone knows who I'm going to say out of the South. It's the Tennessee Volunteers going to the Final Four out of the South. And in the Midwest, I got Iowa. So, I got Texas Tech against Purdue and Tennessee versus Iowa. And the National Championship, a rematch of the Music City Bowl. Purdue versus Tennessee. I said it back in January. It was the real national championship. Who knew it's going to be the real national championship, just in a different sport. Uh, Tennessee's going to get the revenge over Purdue. Tennessee's winning the national championship. It probably won't happen. But, hey, I said the same thing about the SEC tournament, and it it happened. So I'm going to go with the balls. I think they're just playing an unreal brand of basketball right now, playing unreal defense Kennedy Chandler uh, stepped up and become a guy that can get a bucket whenever they need it. And that's 
just huge when you get into the tournament. If you've got guys like that and you got multiple guys where you got Santiago Vescovi, uh, Josiah Jordan James that can go and get buckets. And then you got a guy off the bench like Sakai Ziegler that can be leaned on uh, to make plays when Kennedy Chandler or Santiago go to the bench. I think that's just invaluable. Uh, I think Tennessee's primed to make a run. I'm saying this all now, and they're going to lose like first round. Uh, Purdue, I, Purdue in the championship. I, I've loved Purdue all year, and I joke with my friends. It's like, oh yeah, I probably just have Stockholm syndrome after they beat us in the Music City Bowl. But I, I've just really liked Purdue's basketball team since the beginning of the year. Jay Ivey's a monster, uh, and then Zach Eady is going to be a nightmare for whoever they face. And obviously, they're set up for a Sweet 16 matchup with UK if everything goes. Uh, Chalk and Zach Eady versus Oscar Sheboy would be incredible. And I, I, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope it's Zach Eady versus uh, KJ Williams, but if it's Eady versus Sheboy, that'll be must see television. That'll be like a heavyweight fight. Uh, so yeah, there's, you, you mentioned storylines earlier. There's a whole lot of storylines that can happen. And just like in mind, the elite eight getting the rematch of Arizona against Tennessee, where Arizona came to Knoxville early in the season and uh, lost to Tennessee. So there's and like Tennessee gets the rematch against Villanova. Tennessee's run to the final four in mind. It's just like, oh, we get to beat a bunch of teams that beat us before. Like they play Michigan in the second round. Michigan beat Tennessee a few years ago in the sweet 16 elite eight, one of the two. Uh, but yeah, a lot of revenge games for Tennessee, which will be really fun for me. Uh, yeah. That's my final four. <laughs> yeah. So I have, uh, so I'll start with my upsets. I've got, uh, I alluded to this earlier. I've got number 13, South Dakota State, taking down Providence uh, in the first round. I've got, uh, like you said, there's a few upsets that I have that I don't have written down that I don't have on my list, but I do, like, or, like I I have them on my bracket. Like, Michigan being Colorado State is not much of an upset to me, but it's it's written down. You know, Iowa making it to the Final Four, I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit, but that, that is, uh, that's in there, but it's not an upset to me. These are the big ones that I wanted to mention. So, South Dakota State over Providence, I think that's, like, an easy one for you. 13 over four, uh, chalk that into your bracket. I think that's going to happen. Um, I had that one. I didn't even – it didn't even register with me. I have South Dakota state. I think that's so easy because I think Providence is so overrated at the four seed and South Dakota state is such a solid program. I know I live in South Dakota now, but uh, it, trust me, they do have a very solid basketball program. Uh, the Jackrabbits are not ones to be messed with. Uh, I've got Miami over USC 10, seven seeds are even tough to, but I think, USC has been the better team all year. Miami had some early losses, but I think Miami could make some waves if they get through their first couple of games. Uh, it's going to be tough, obviously, playing the two seed right after. But uh, I got Virginia Tech taking down Texas. I think Virginia Tech's one of the hottest teams in the, in the nation right now. I, I think Texas is overrated. I, I think even as six seed, Texas is overrated. I don't think the Big 12 was very strong this year. So, uh, And they lost some really bad games. So uh, I think Virginia Tech gets it done there i like new mexico state over yukon this is where i said i was going to contradict myself because yukon was a bit underseated at number five but uh, i don't know that was just one of those things that like first first gut reaction i think new mexico state can uh, pull that off uh and then in the second round i'm echoing you i think north carolina beats baylor in the second round i think that's uh like you said baylor's hurt north carolina's hot it's pretty good and I think Purdue gets knocked out early. I think Virginia Tech stays hot and gets into the Sweet 16. I think they're one of those teams that makes that run. It, it, they remind me so much of Michigan 
Uh, if you guys remember the year Michigan's plane went off the runway before the Big Ten tournament, uh, and then they went on to win the Big Ten tournament right after that, we ended up making it, I think, to the Sweet 16 that year, and it was just, like, such an emotional run. Like, it's just, like, you win one of those conference tournaments when you're not supposed to even be in the tournament altogether, and then now all of a sudden it's like, okay, we know we can do this. We've beaten the Dukes of the world, the, these teams of the world. We've done it in a – we have the the necessary skills to do it. So I think Virginia Tech is that team this year. Watch for them to make a run. Uh, yeah, and other than that, uh, not, not, not too much of note. I, I think uh, once you get to the Sweet 16, it's really not even an upset anymore. Teams that are in the Sweet 16 deserve to be there, and it's, uh, it's tough to even say it's an upset. So for my Final Four, out of the West, I do have Gonzaga, just because that is a weak bracket. I think outside of Gonzaga and Duke, there's really not much there. I don't even think – I think Texas Tech is a bit overseeded at a three seed. So I, I, I think Gonzaga ends up making it out of there. I do have Kentucky making it out of the East, just because I think, you know, once – once Baylor gets knocked out of it, I do think Kentucky's better than North Carolina and they will be able to get past. What uh, if they're able to get past Murray State? I do think that'll be a close game. But if they're able to get past Murray State, I think they'll have a pretty clear path. Uh, in the South, I like Arizona. I've been high on Arizona all year. I think they're going to have an easy way. And then in the Midwest, I'm going with Iowa as well. I think that's one of the weaker the sides of the bracket and Iowa underseated at a five seed. I think they've got a pretty easy path. I think they're going to make some waves and you've got a guy like Keegan Murray. That's, that's the type of dude that you want in March. Uh, so for my national championship, I've got Arizona versus Kentucky, kind of a blue blood national championship type matchup. And I'm sticking with Arizona. I've been high on them since they beat Michigan earlier in the year. I think they win their first national title since 1997. And the Wildcats are back on top of the basketball world. I feel like it's been so long. Like when we grew up, Arizona was one of those blue blood, those teams that always have a really good team. And then for the past, like, five or so years they've been really bad and i think now this is a perfect chance for them to reclaim you know we're back it's arizona it's north carolina it's duke it's one we're one of those teams again uh so i think arizona gets it done uh we'll look forward to that make sure you're signing up for that march madness tournament challenge so you can get in on that contest to win 50 dollars and a chance to be on the Dylan and Dylan show. All right. That's going to do it from us at the D and D show this week. Dylan, any final thoughts before we go? So I just have to say I have beef with Arizona and I have for a long time. It's nothing they've done. I like the program to be honest, but in 2018, I picked DeAndre Ayton and the Arizona Wildcats to win the tournament. And they lost to Buffalo in the first round. And I just, I don't know. I've had trust issues with them ever since. And like, I think Arizona is really, really good. I last week when we talked about the conference championships, I picked UCLA because I was like, UCLA's got all this March experience now. They're they basically have the same team they had last year. And I was like, they're I think that's gonna come in big time in this championship game. And it didn't. Uh Arizona's physicality uh, just was too much. They're just they're a lot like the Texas Tech team that I mentioned earlier, just better. And um, I think Texas Tech's going to benefit in my bracket anyways because they get matched up with teams that are weaker. Arizona can do that to anyone, and someone's going to be fortunate to knock them down or they could very well cut down the nets. But I just have beef with them. Um, I, I'm really, really excited to get into the next few days. Uh, as you're listening, hopefully this is out on Thursday and you're getting ready to watch just awesome action. Uh, Murray State is playing at, like, n- midnight tonight. 
and I, I'm not a fan of that. It's the late game on CBS, and I'm very nervous already, and we're more than 24 hours out. Um, I, I'm really, really curious as to what Murray State, State team comes out. Because there's – Murray State – I knock on wood. The last few Thursday night games Murray State's played, they've come out on fire. But they've also been at home. And Murray State at the CFSB Center is almost unbeatable. So I, I they're, they're going to be in Indianapolis – uh, against a really good team, and I, I'm just very curious to see how it goes. Uh, and then, obviously, Saturday could be a huge day, and you might see us on the, the Twitter spaces again if we get the Dylan and Dylan Bowl of Michigan versus Tennessee in Indianapolis. That that could be a lot of fun. I just I look forward to all of it. Uh, don't worry, there's going to be a ton of content on Twitter from us because this the best couple days of the year, best four days, five days, whatever it is, it's going to be awesome. I'm just so, so excited. March is here. One, I told Dylan before the show, I've been listening to One Shining Moment on repeat for like hours. It's, it's, this is just the best. Yeah, we need like a little Uzi remix on the One Shining Moment or something, a little bit of an updated version. All right, that'll do it from us. Here's where you can find us. Uh, you can find the show at Dylan Dylan Show at, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find Tunnel Vision Sports on Instagram at Tunnel Vision Sports underscore TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV Sports, Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports, and on the web at tvsportsmag.com. So long, everyone. Enjoy the madness, and we will see you all next week. See you later. Show.